0: Everybody has notes? Mm-hmm. So, um, today we're going to continue um, talking about shadows of Golgotha, pictures of the cross in the um, Old Testament. And... Um, we have arrived to Leviticus 25. That is probably the last chapter that we're gonna be talking about in the book of Leviticus, and after that we're gonna move on to another book. We are in uh, sermon 28. We passed six month, uh, almost six and a half month talking about this. I hope you guys enjoying it uh, because if you don't, it's too bad for you. Amen. Because we're gonna, we're gonna keep doing it for a while. Uh, today we're gonna turn to Leviticus 25, and it is again one. One of these monument chapters in the book of Leviticus. If you've never read Leviticus before, you want to know what is the highlight of that book. Here it is. The first five chapters, actually the first seven chapters, are uh, the five sacrifices that, that God commanded Moses. And then you have to know Leviticus 16, that is the Day of Atonement. And then Leviticus 25, that is the year of Jubilee. These are the the, the pillars of the book. Not to say that the rest is not important, but if you got to pick and choose at the minimal amount of information that you need to know, that's right there. Amen? Uh, Leviticus 25. Today, we're going to talk about this today and next week. Today we're gonna talk about the theology of the day of, of the year of jubilee, and next week we're gonna be talking about the type of the year of jubilee or uh, the, the the application of the year of jubilee. So uh, really, next next week gonna be more like how is that year of jubilee a shadow of Golgotha and a shadow of Christ and Him crucified? This week gonna be more like uh, an introduction, kind of. Uh, I figured you guys would rather have two short sermons than one long sermon. Can I have an amen? Amen. (laughs) All right. So this week, we're just going to talk about that year, how it works, the law of that year, the uh, nitty-gritty details of how it works. And then next week, again, Lord's willing, we're going to be talking about... how is, what does that mean to us as a New Testament believers? So we're going to read uh, pretty much the whole chapter uh, because that's 55 verses talking about that year. Some of the verses we're just going to uh, paraphrase what God is saying. And some verses we're going to actually read so we can understand uh, precisely what happens in that year of Jubilee. So that's Leviticus 25. Uh, the outlines of that verse as follow. Uh, the The first seven verses of that chapter, pretty much the point is, God is telling the people of Israel, when you work in the land, you work six years in a row, and then on the seventh year, that is a Sabbath for the land. You should not labor, you should not work in that seventh year. Amen? Just like when God commanded man that you work six days a week, take the seventh day off, God also cared for the land of Israel that he said the seventh year of the land, seventh year should be off, you should not labor. And God said, on the sixth year I'm going to double your harvest. So this way, that the harvest that you reap on the sixth year will last you for the sixth and the seventh year. Amen? So that's pretty much the point of the first uh, seven verses. Now we're going to skip to verse 8. And here's what the Lord says, telling Moses, And you shall count seven Sabbath of years, that is how many years so far? Seven by seven, forty-nine, right? Of um, Of years, uh, for yourself, seven times, seven years. And the time of the seventh Sabbath of the year shall be to you 49 years. Then you shall cause the trumpet. This is the key for the whole point of the year of Jubilee right here. Then you shall cause the trumpet of Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. Let's stop here. Those of you who are really, really paying attention should know what day is that. We talked about it for three weeks. It's the day of atonement. If you don't, we'll keep reading. (laughs) That is the seventh month, the tenth day. That's the one day that the high priest go into the Holy of Holies and blow and uh, atone for the sins of the whole nation. On the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. If you want to know what is the point of the year of Jubilee it's right here that verse and you shall actually say it all together and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants it shall be a Jubilee for you and you uh, and each of you shall return to his position and each of you shall return to his family that fiftieth year shall be, um, shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap without um, what grows on its own accord, nor gather the grapes of your unattended vine. For it is a jubilee, it shall be holy to you. You shall eat its produce from that field. In this year of Jubilee each of you shall return to his position and if you sell anything to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor's land you shall not oppress one another according to the number of the years of Jubilee you shall buy from your neighbor and according to the number of the years of, uh, of crops you shall sell to you according to the multitude of year you shall increase its price and according to the fewer number of years you shall diminish its price for he sells to you according to the number of the years of the crops. Therefore you shall not oppress one another but you shall fear the Lord your God for I am the Lord your God. So the way it works is like this. It Pretty much God prohibited the children of Israel from selling the land. Remember They were slaves in the land of Egypt. God took them out from the land of Egypt by the hand of Moses. And then ultimately Joshua delivered them into the land of the promise. And Moses divided the land for two and a half tribes before they crossed on one side of the Jordan River. And then when they all crossed, Joshua divided the rest of the land. And the whole land was divided by lot. Each tribe, each household in the tribe, the Lord gave them a piece of the land this is what happened uh, in the history of israel and god prohibited that someone would sell his inheritance permanently to another person so if you got you get poor and then you have to sell off your land so you just can make some money off so you can live god said you cannot sell it but you can defleece it that 50 year when that 50th year come that's the year of Jubilee and that's when you get your land back and God said in these verses that you lease that land based on the numbers of the years left till the year of Jubilee what does that mean I'll give you a practical example let's say somebody gonna lease their land for a thousand dollars if there is 30 years left to the year of Jubilee, where they're gonna take their land back, then they can lease it for up to $30,000, okay? But if the year of Jubilee is only two years away, then they can lease it for like $2,000. Why? Because in a couple of years, they're gonna get the land back anyways, so then it's not fair that they sell lease it for $30,000 when the new owner gonna only keep it for a year or two. You guys follow the, the law here so far, okay? So it's pretty much a law meant prior. Primarily, well, m- part of it mainly is for the land that God said you cannot sell off your land permanently. And if you buy the land, you know that this is not going to be yours forever. Even if you give, pass it on to your kids, whatever, after the, on the fiftieth year, you shall return that land to the main owner that the Lord has given them that land by lot on the hand of Moses and Joshua. So, how about you know? How about food? This is remember. The 49th year is a Sabbath year, right? So they cannot sow or reap on the 49th year. And then comes the 50th year, that's another Sabbath. God said, don't sow or reap. So that's two years in a row, year 49 and year 50, that they cannot use the land, cannot labor in the land. Here is what God says. And if you say, what shall we eat on the seventh year, since we shall not sow nor gather in our produce? Then I will command, God says, then I will command my blessing on you. On the sixth year, that's year 48, you guys follow the, the law? That's year 48. And it will bring forth produce enough for three years. What three years? Year 48, 49, which is a Sabbath, and then year 50, which is the Jubilee. And you shall sow on the eighth year, that's the year 51 after that when you start over and eat old produce and um, and eat old produce until the ninth year until its produce come in and you shall eat from the old harvest so this harvest that god will bless in the 48th year going to last them the year 49 which is a sabbath The year 50 was a jubilee, and even the year after that, while they're still sowing for the harvest that they're going to reap after that. Amen? That's an amazing blessing from the Lord. Amen? Now, God kind of like in the rest of the chapter, God talked about two particular, actually, let's see how many points. Um, Yeah, two major points from that point forward. So kind of like verse 8 to 19 is the overall umbrella. Now God is zooming in and specifying specific laws. One regarding the land and one regarding the the servant who works in that land. So restoration of the land, that's verses 23 to 34. Verse 23, the land shall not be sold permanently. That's the whole point of the law. The land shall not be sold permanently for the land is mine. That's why... The one who's owning, whom God has given the land cannot sell it because it doesn't even belong to him, so he can sell it. It belongs to the Lord. For you are a stranger and sojourner with me. God is saying, you're my guest. This land is mine. Canaan is mine. I'm letting you stay in it, but you cannot sell it permanently. Amen? Verse 24. And in all the land of your position, you shall grant redemption of the land when it comes the 50th year. Verse 25. If any of your brethren becomes poor. Here is how it works. If any of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his position, and if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem it uh, redeem what his brother has sold. So even when God allows the, that you can lease your land to a stranger till the 50th year, that is not really what God wants. So he's saying that if you have a relative who's rich, he can redeem that land for you. What does that mean? Let's say there's 30 years left uh, to the year of Jubilee. So I, I, I became poor. I need to sell out my land. I go to Barb. I lease her my land for 30,000 years till the year of Jubilee. Now, Brother Emmanuel is my, uh, my cousin and he's rich. He's like, what did you do? You sold your land? Okay, so Brother Emmanuel, my, my kinsman redeemer here, my, my relative who, who has the money, can go to the new person who bought the land and give him the 30,000 and he can redeem it because he's my kinsman redeemer and I can keep the land. So ultimately, the point is God doesn't really want the land to be leased at all, if at all possible, okay? And then verse 26, or if the man has... um has redeeming, Well, if the man has no one to redeem it, but he himself become able to redeem it, then uh, let him count the years since its uh, sale and restore the reminder to the man whom he has sold it, and he may return it to his position. But if the man is not able to have it restored to himself, then what was sold shall remain in the hand of him... And the hand of him who bought it until the year of Jubilee, and in the year of Jubilee shall be released, and he shall return it to his position." Simple. So I lease my land to Barb again for, for 30 years, for $30,000. Five years down the road, I got $25,000. I go back to Barb, like, hey, here is your money back. You had the land for five years. 25 years remained. So here is the money for that 25 years and I can get my land back. If I never get the money, then whenever the 50th year, the Jubilee comes, then I just get it back anyways. You guys follow that? Verse 29 and 30. um, Regarding, this is an exception to the law now, okay? Regarding a house in a walled city, the seller has a year to redeem it if he can't it shall become permanently the buyers are not restored in the year of Jubilee. So that is the exception of the law. If there is a house, but not just a house, in the wall of the city, or in a walled city, city that has walls. The seller has a year to restore it back. If you cannot come up with the money, you don't get it back on the year of Jubilee. Verse 31, Houses in villages, Do you guys see, it? God is making a distinction here, between houses in walled cities and houses in villages, villages without walls, are counted as fields and can be restored in the year of Jubilee. Exception of that, exception of the law, Is this number one houses that sold in cities of the Levites should be restored in the year of Jubilee and number two the common land in the Leviticus cities should never be sold okay so let's let's stop here and explain that so the general rule is this. The land can be leased till the year of Jubilee, okay? Now, there is two cases that we're gonna discuss. Houses in walled cities and houses in fields. Houses in fields count like land. So on, when it comes to the year of Jubilee, you can restore your house back. Houses in walled cities are exceptional. If you don't restore it or redeem it back in a year as the seller, then the new buyer get to keep it even after the year of jubilee. Amen. That's the general rule. Now God made exceptions for that for that tri- tribe of Levi because that's the tribe that deal with the priesthood. These are the people who minister to the Lord, and God gave them cities that has walls in it. So God said, if a Levi sell a house in a walled city they still get it back in the year of Jubilee. So that's an exception to the exception, okay? <laughs> you guys follow me? And then um, if, if a Levi sells a, a house in a walled city, they get it back and a Levi can never sell their land. So they're not allowed even to take advantage of that year of Jubilee rule. You guys follow the, the, the law of the year of Jubilee so far. So that's the law of that land. Clear? Let's move on now, not just for the land. But how about if somebody becomes poor and they actually sell themselves or volunteer to work for, for somebody rich? We read in verse 35 to 38 if someone becomes poor and wanted to borrow money, uh, he should not be charged um, interest or usury. Verses 39 to, to 43. Now, if so, if you if I go to Katrina, borrow $1,000, she cannot charge me interest on it. Now verses 39 to 43. If one of your brethren who will by you becomes poor and sell himself to you. Now sell himself to you. This is even poorer than somebody who needed a $1,000. This guy becomes so poor, he has no option except to work for another Hebrew person. You shall not compel him to serve you as a slave, but as a hired servant, as and as sojourn, you shall be he shall be with you, and shall serve you until the year of uh, Jubilee. Okay? And then he shall depart from you, he and his children with him, and shall return to his own uh, family. This is good. And return to his own family. He shall return to his position, to the position of his father. For they are my servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as, as slaves. The... You shall not rule over them with rigor, but you shall fear the Lord your God. Again, it's the same principle. God said, the land is mine, therefore you cannot sell it. And you are also my slaves, therefore you cannot enslave one another forever. If you become so poor that you need to work for somebody, then the new owner should treat you as a higher servant. And whenever it comes the year of Jubilee, then that person needs to be released and go back to his family. And to do the position of his father, because the land will be released as well. Amen. Amen. Verses forty-four to forty-six. Uh, to forty-six. Exception of that is the foreigner who should be slave forever. So that, that then the one who's not native is exempt from that rule. Verses 47 to 55, if an Israelite becomes poor and is sold to a stranger or a foreigner in the land, uh, he or his kinsman can redeem him according to the number of the years left till the year of Jubilee. If not able to be redeemed, he should be released in the year of Jubilee anyways. So it doesn't matter if the owner uh, or the new master is, is a Jew or, or, or a foreigner in the land, a Jewish person um, person who works as a hired servant or a slave must be released anyway in the year of Jubilee. But if the slave is foreigner, then he's exempt from that rule. He can work and serve forever to his Jewish master or even his foreign master in the land of Israel. So that is pretty much the law of the year of Jubilee. Clear? Okay, now let's just highlight some notes in that law. And then We're going to finish that again next week. So the word Jubilee is actually Hebrew Yubil. And it literally means a ram or a ram's horn. Remember how this year starts? It starts by blowing that. Trumpet. That's why it's literally called the year of the trumpet because it starts by blowing of a trumpet. It really can be called the year of the ram or the years of the ram's horn because they use ram horn to blow that trumpet. How do we know that? There's two scriptures in the book of Joshua where the exact same word, Hebrew word, jubilee, were used. Let's look at them. Joshua 6, 4. That's in the context of um, Jericho and and the children of Israel taking over that city. Joshua 4. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets. And the Hebrew word for trumpet here is shofar. And then it says it's trumpet of ram's horn. And that Hebrew word for ram's horn is yubeel, the exact same Jubilee word that we use in Leviticus 25. So the word beal here is literally synonymous with the ram's horn. And if you skip with me to Joshua 6.5, God is saying also, or the Bible is saying, and when they make a long blast, a long blow with that ram's horn. Now there's two different Hebrew words here. The word for ram here is beal. The same word for Ram's horn in Joshua six, four, the same word for Ubil in Leviticus twenty five, and then the word horn here is actually Quran, Karna, which is Karn, Karn Horn, yeah, it's the same in Arabic. It's like so the word Yubil, we see it in the book of Joshua used two different times, Joshua six, one to be synonymous with Ram's horn and one to be synonymous with the word just ram. You guys see that? So literally the year of Jubilee means the year of the ram or the year of the ram's horn or the year of the trumpet and the reason it's called that because it all starts with the sound of what? The trumpet. trumpet. Now, remember God said there is an exception for one thing that cannot be restored back on the year of Jubilee and that is a house in a walled city. This cannot be restored back on the year of Jubilee. Why? The reason for that is pretty obvious the law deals primarily with the land so if the house is without in a city without walls it's considered part of the land therefore it's restored in the year of Jubilee the one exception is if there is a house in a walled city this is not considered land anymore this is just uh, real estate so this is exempt from the law of the year of Jubilee amen we're good so far? Again, again, this is a little bit dry, but we need to understand the law and what it entails, and then next week we'll be more practical about it. Um, Now, this is very interesting, and it blew me away for a little bit. I was confused about this for a while. In the book of Exodus verse chapter 21 verses 1 to 6 God said Allah which he pretty much repeated again in the book of Deuteronomy verses 15, chapter 15 verses 12 to 18 God said if you have a Hebrew servant or a Hebrew slave that works for you because he's so poor he should serve you 6 years and then on the 7th year he should be released but then God said here that he should be released on the 50th year so which one is it is it He should be released in the seventh year, or should he be released on the 50th year? I I was like, what is this? I don't understand it. But then, God is good. I found a couple of answers here. There is two ways we can look at this. There is two ways to resolve that apparent conflict. Number one, um, the wording here is that in in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, the Hebrew word um, was used as slave. But here, when God said, if a Hebrew becomes poor, he literally used the word, Kingsman. So there's a little bit of a difference in the Hebrew between these two. But the idea here is this. This guy is not even a Christian. He's a PhD Jew rabbi. So he, he said that the year of Jubilee deals primarily with the land, right? So if you have somebody who owns a piece of land and they ended up must selling that land or lease it till the year of Jubilee, then the law of the year of Jubilee, when it used the word slave, it really means the owner of the land can actually volunteer. The owner of the land who's selling his land or leasing his land to somebody else should volunteer or can volunteer as a hired servant, if they could become even poorer, to work in his own land till the year of Jubilee. You guys follow that? But in, in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, it takes about any slave who just worked for another Hebrew guy, doesn't necessarily have to have land or sell his land or lease his land. So that is the very first way of looking at it, that Leviticus deals primarily with the land and the person who owns the land who ends up working as a hired servant for the new guy who leases the land till the year of, of, of Jubilee. That's way number one you guys follow me so far okay you are so quiet either you know everything or you don't know anything (laughs) all right so that is the first explanation to that the second explanation is this is that the year of Jubilee or the seventh year these laws are not contradicting each other because whichever comes first then the slave can be released you guys follow me so let's say we're counting the 50 years of Jubilee, then somebody becomes poor on year 45 and they become enslaved to another Hebrew master at year 45. So technically they should serve six years there and then release on the seventh year. But the year of Jubilee come a whole lot sooner. It comes five years only in that slavery or that servitude. So God said whoever comes first in a way should be the, the year in which the slave can be released. You guys follow me? So this way, these two laws cannot be contradicting. Which one is better? I don't know. But at least there's some apparent answers to that. Amen? Amen. Now, why is that important to us? Why is that year of Jubilee important to us as um, a 21st century uh, Christian Americans who live here in America? Because that year, that passage here in Leviticus 25 is actually foundational to so many other passages in the scripture. Amen? The word liberty that we read about here in verse 10 in, in Leviticus 25 was used to at least in three more incidents in the, in the Old Testament, and is foundational to a major passage that we have in the New Testament. So the exact same word was used also in Isaiah 61, is used in Jeremiah 34, and is used in Ezekiel 46. Thus, three other times where the exact same Hebrew word liberty was used. As a New Testament believer, I think what is important to us is that passage in Isaiah 61. So we're going to read that together because Isaiah 61 is primarily based on the understanding of the year of Jubilee of Leviticus 25. Amen. So this is what Isaiah was saying, Isaiah 61, 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me. And then he lists the tasks that the Spirit of the Lord God has uh, anointed the Messiah with so he can accomplish. What are they? Number one, to preach glad tidings or good news to the poor. The second task from Isaiah is that he has sent me to heal the broken hearted. The third task from Isaiah is, and this is where we are linked to Leviticus 25, to proclaim liberty to the captive and the opening of present to those who are bound. And the fourth task also linked to Leviticus 25, and to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. there is absolutely no disagreement among Christian commentators or any commentators in that matter that these tasks three and four are absolutely based on Leviticus 25. There's no question about that. Okay, almost synonymously agree on that. Um, Task number four, to to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Number five, to comfort all those, those who mourn and to console all those who mourn in Zion. To um, give them beautiful ashes and oil for joy joyful mourning. The garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Amen. So Isaiah based this prophecy about what the Messiah is going to do. Pro- like a major part of that prophecy is based on our understanding of Leviticus 25. The year of Jubilee. And what makes it even more interesting and far more important for us as Christians is that Jesus quoted that exact same passage himself in Luke chapter 4. Let's read that. Luke four sixteen. And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as he was, as it was his custom, that's his usual thing to do every week. He entered into the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. and And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book, and he found the place where it was written. That's Isaiah sixty one. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for He has anointed me. Now let's look at these tasks that Jesus said or Luke said that is given to the Messiah. Because they're slightly different so we need to look at that. Number one, to preach the gospel to the poor. The second task from Luke is that he has sent me to proclaim release to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind. The third task is to set free those who are oppressed. The fourth task to proclaim the favorable, the acceptable year of the Lord. And then Jesus stopped there. And then he closed the book. He didn't finish. He closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all those in the synagogue were fixed on him. And Jesus preached one of his shortest sermons. I, I, I know you guys want me to preach that short. But Jesus said, um, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's it. That's his sermon. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And everybody was like, what is he talking about? Everybody was so baffled by Jesus' nine word sermon. Amen? Do you guys see why the year of Jubilee is important so far? You guys follow the Bible here and why this is important for us as 21st century Christians. Because it's the foundation for Isaiah 61 which is the quote in Luke 4 which Jesus say, not next year, not in eternity, but Jesus say today. When I'm here, right here, right now, this very purpose, this very passage that talks about if the year of Jubilee has been that? Fulfilled, Amen? In other words, Jesus say, I am here to fulfill the meaning and the purpose of the year of Jubilee. You guys get that? So let's look into this a little bit deeper. There is slight differences between the quote in Isaiah and the quote that Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. So let's look into that. Amen? Amen. Let's look. We're going to compare these two passages. If we go back to Isaiah, the first task is to preach glad tidings to the... Poor. Let's look at Luke's first task is to preach glad tidings to the poor. So we're good here. Amen. Let's go back to task number two. In Isaiah says that he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This one totally disappeared in Luke. It's not mentioned there. Right? There's no mention of the brokenhearted. The third, um, the third task in Isaiah to proclaim liberty to the captive and an opening of the presence to those who are bound. Now look, worded differently, he said, to set free those, um, well I'm sorry, that's number two now. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captive and recovery of sight to those who are blind. Do you see? This uh, wording is different now for the same description. Why? Because the Septuagint, I hope you guys know that what is the Septuagint by now. We talked about this multiple, multiple times. It is the Greek translation of the Old Testament before Jesus was born. And that is pretty much the foundation wherever the New Testament quote the Old Testament. They use the Septuagint, believe it or not, a whole lot more. Amen? So the Septuagint translated that task in Isaiah to proclaim liberty to the captive and an opening of the present to those who are bound. They translated as to proclaim liberty to the captive and opening of sight to those who are blind and that is the very foundation that Luke used to describe his task right here when he described what Jesus will do so you just follow the Septuagint not follow the original Hebrew amen, amen. so that is the difference in this task and then we read task number three in Luke it says to sit free those who are oppressed, oppressed. even though the meaning is implied in Isaiah's task, did they did I lose you guys already you still follow me okay Luke task number 3, to set free those who are oppressed, even though the meaning is actually embedded in Isaiah 61, yet that part is not actually from Isaiah 61, it's actually from Isaiah 58 verse 6. So that is totally different passage, it reads this in Isaiah 58, "Is Is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of the wickedness and undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? So, whether Jesus or Luke, they, they use that verse from Isaiah 58, that is not really in Isaiah 61, because they want to emphasize, Jesus wanted to emphasize the point of liberty, that he has come to set the captives free. You guys follow me? So he quoted from Isaiah 61. He also emphasized his point by using Isaiah 58. Because Jesus wanted to say, this is the very reason why I have come. I have come so I can set the captives free. Amen? Amen. And then he said, and to proclaim the the favorable, the acceptable year of our Lord. Amen? If you go back to Isaiah and read that task, it actually has two parts. You guys see that? Let's go back and read it. To, that's Isaiah task number 4. To proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. But Jesus didn't mention that. He stopped at the acceptable year of the Lord. So this is the... the you guys... did I lose you? Okay, I'm glad you have notes, so you can listen to the sermon again, and then you can follow with the notes. Um, Now, this is just a contrast between these two passages that I want to bring to your attention. I always have been baffled personally by when Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, I have come to proclaim the gospel to the poor. I mean, I, I, obviously, obviously, Jesus is not saying that the good news is not for the middle class and for the rich. You guys follow that, right? He's not saying, I'm here only because I want to give good news to those who are poor. And I always wondered, what, why is Jesus saying poor? There's another way of looking at it, is that Jesus didn't mean those who are materialistically poor, but those who are uh, spiritually poor. Okay? So the idea is this, when you're poor, You you really can't do much to help yourself. You're helpless in a way. You guys follow that. That's the point of being poor. You might want to get food to your kids, but the fact is you can't afford it and your kids are starving because you are... poor. You're helpless in a way. So the other way of looking at it is that Jesus was saying I came to give hope and good news to those who are helpless. Whether materialistically helpless or he's more likely talking about those who are spiritually helpless. Those who cannot help themselves. And Jesus said I have come to bring you some good news. Amen. Amen. But honestly now that I'm looking at the whole Leviticus 25 and the whole teaching about the year of Jubilee. Remember the whole point of the year of Jubilee, why would anybody will go into slavery in that chapter is because they become what? Poor, right? They become so physically and materialistically poor that they end up either selling their land and even if they become poorer and poorer, they end up selling themselves for somebody else, right? This is just me. I don't know if it's right or wrong. I don't know if it's true or false. Take it or leave it. It's up to you. But I am more personally now inclining toward that. What Jesus, all that, that, that tasks that Jesus has quoted in, in Luke chapter 4, he's just emphasizing different aspects of the year of Jubilee. He's not talking about multiple things. Um, tasks that he has come to do, he's just talking about one single task which is fulfilling the purpose of the year of Jubilee. He just expressed that in multiple ways. That's just how I am understanding it now. I Month down the road, I might change that, but that's how I understand it as of today. Amen? So Jesus is saying that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news. Remember in the year of Jubilee, if you were physically poor, materialistically poor, you end up in a slavery. So Jesus is saying here, I have come well let me back off and if you're poor in the year of jubilee you will be so looking forward to that day when you hear the trumpet right because when that trumpet blows now you can you will be restored all your land you go back to your family you go back to your father's position and all that was taken away from you as a poor person will be restored to you amen so in a way Jesus is saying I'm here to fulfill that very purpose of the year of jubilee that as the poor was longing to that sacrifice of trumpet so everything that was taken away would be restored to them so I am here to restore everything that was taken away from us as a human race. Amen? Not only that, he said, "I'm here to proclaim the release of the captives." Same thing, year of jubilee, recovery of sight of the blind. Well, that will be exception because they followed the Septuagint, okay? And again, Jesus quoted Isaiah 58 to emphasize the point of liberty, of freedom. He said, and to set those who are oppressed, and then he said, and to proclaim the acceptable or the favorable year of the Lord, which is the year of jubilee, right? Jesus is saying, "I am here to." Fulfill the very purpose of the year of Jubilee. Amen? Amen? And he said today, not in the millennium kingdom, not in eternity. Today, right now and right here because of my ministry and because of me, this will be fulfilled in your hearing. Amen? Amen. Now, let me just say a couple of small things and then we're going to close up in, in prayer. Imagine yourself in 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 the days of um, Israel for that law. You, I mean, you guys remember the story when King Ahab wanted to um, take the land. Uh, was it Nadab, the, his neighbor, and he refused to sell his inheritance, and then Jezebel ended up killing him so she can take the land. If you remember that story, the land was just big deal in the in the in the among the children of Israel. They took so much pride in that. This is the land that was given them from the Lord, and it's just so much. It means so much to the Jew of that day. Amen. So it represents their honor, their dignity, everything that is valuable to them, and then they become so helpless and so poor that they have to sell it off. And for years and years and years they see somebody else enjoying the harvest and the crops that their own land should give them. Amen? And then they become even poorer and poorer and poorer. They end up selling themselves to be slaves to work even in their own land but never reap its harvest and give that very harvest to the new on and every single day, I can only imagine, every single day, if you're a person like that, you wake up in the morning at 5 o'clock in the morning and make like, my gosh, here is another day that I'm going to go work in my land and I will not see the fruit of this land. And somebody else will take the fruit of this land. And then you wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and that negative thought comes to you, but then you try to encourage yourself a little bit more and say, but in 6 more years, amen, in 6 more years the year of Jubilee will come and the trumpet will sound and I will restore I will take back that was taken away from me amen and all this hard work and labor that I'm doing for nothing gonna be done with once I hear that trumpet amen and next day, same story, but he says to himself the person, but in five more years and 364 days, I am going to take back my land and this labor will be done away with. Amen? And the very next day he wakes up and he's like, I'm going to do this for another day. But then he says, but in five days, in 363 days, amen, this land will come back to me. The trumpet will sound and I will get back my freedom. Amen? And can Can you imagine the joy of that person on the very day of Jubilee? He probably can't even wait for the high priest to go into the Holy of Holies to redeem the children of Israel so he can sound the trumpet because he knows once the trumpet sound, all the captivity, all the slavery, all the uh, life that he has been living, that misery will be done with once and for all, and he will be restored back to his family, to his position, and to his freedom. Amen? And that's precisely what Jesus said, I have come to accomplish. Amen? Amen? There's a lot of people in this land who are slaves to so many bondages, so many wickedness, and so many sins. Amen? But notice, this year, Jesus' freedom works only for those who want to be delivered. You guys see that? If you don't want to be delivered, then even though Jesus can deliver you, you will not be delivered. You guys see that? If you're only sick of your sins, if you're only sick of your bondages, if you only wish that you can get to the point that you don't have to drink no more, that you don't have to hurt your family no more, that you don't have to smoke no more, that you don't have to do porn no more, if you ever come to the point that you're just sick and tired of the bondage, then I have good news for you today. Amen? Jesus is here and He can set you free. Amen? But if you're happy where you at, then even though Jesus is able, He will never do it because He's not gonna force Himself on you. Amen? The good news is this. Jesus said, today, today, this scripture can be fulfilled in your hearing. Amen? And what Jesus said 2,000 years ago is still saying it right here at Franconia Community, 6315 Beulah Street on May the 7th. He's saying today, to each one of us today, this very scripture of deliverance and freedom can be fulfilled in your hearing. Amen? The question is, do you want to be delivered or not? Amen? Because if you don't want to be delivered, streams of living water can be running next to you and you'll still die of thirst. But if you just want to be delivered, today, it doesn't matter if you're able or not. You probably can't. Amen? But Jesus can. Amen? And He can set you free once and for all and today can be your year of Jubilee. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now let me just close with that. God, and that's it. Let's go back to Isaiah 60, 61. Jesus said verse um, task number four, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus stopped at the very first part of that phrase, of that sentence, right? He said, "I come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. And he didn't finish, he didn't say, and a year of vengeance to our God. Amen. Amen. Think about this. Listen to me and listen to me very carefully. That word acceptable, favorable year of our Lord, actually Jesus used the exact same word, just a little bit, a few chapters later in the book of Luke, when he said there's actually no prophet that is acceptable or accepted in his own land. It's the exact same Greek word that Jesus used here in Luke Luke chapter 4. He used a little bit later when he said that there is no prophet that is accepted in his land. Amen? So the point is this, the year of Jubilee, is that's the time, that is the time in which you can be accepted by God. Amen? Okay, let me say that again. If this is the only time in which you can be accepted by God. Amen? And if that window passes you, if that time passes you, then there is no more acceptable year before the Lord. Amen? What will happen after that? Jesus say, a day of vengeance to our God. Now the Bible say, friends, listen to me, listen, listen, listen. The Bible say, today is a day of salvation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Not tomorrow not next year yes. today yes. may the 7th in 2017 is thy day of salvation to you and then what does it say after that now is what the acceptable time just like that acceptable year the year of jubilee now is the time when god is willing to for Overlook your sins, to break every yoke of bondage, to restore everything that was taken away from you, and that very purpose of the year of Jubilee can be fulfilled in your life. But when is the time to do that? Now. Now. Now, tomorrow. Not next week. Now is the salvation time. Now is the acceptable time before the Lord. Amen. And Jesus did not finish that sentence. He did not say, I am here to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. You know why? Because he is coming back later to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. Amen. Jesus has come. He chose the cross. He went to the cross. He was nailed on that cross. He shed that blood because he wanted to save every single one of us. Amen. And now He's proclaiming every single day to each one of us. Now is an acceptable time. I paid the price. Just as we were singing earlier, Jesus paid it all. Jesus said, I paid the price and I am willing today to restore everything that was taken away from you. Amen? I don't care how much you messed up. I don't care how much sin you have committed. Today I will forgive you. I will restore you. I will deliver you right now, right here. Amen? Now if you harden your heart and if you say Know to the blood of Jesus, friends one soon coming day, the same, very same Christ who came once upon a time to save us will come again, but this time he's not coming for salvation, amen? And the same Jesus that you're gonna tell him today, no, you're gonna stand before him one soon day but he's not gonna be your savior he's gonna be your judge, amen? amen. I don't know about you, that's a no brainer amen? Yes. Today if you're here today, just come to Jesus, because if you don't There is a day of vengeance that is waiting for every one of us because we have sinned against a holy and a righteous God and we have righteously earned His wrath. Amen? Amen? Let's close our eyes and pray. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.